0: Hey. a little hobby. You do it yourself, type thing. Get in, loser, we're going shopping. Patient, I'll Go, patient. Don't even ask, just bring it.
1: Mom called psychologically tall. I'm talking
0: about ethics. You, you packed it
1: and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and now selling, selling sell it. You're going to sell
0: it. Well, the same. <laughs> Howdy, howdy, howdy! I'll soon be back, and in greater numbers. Any friend of Olive's friend of our daughter. I am really close on this one. Really, really close. Let's watch my favorite
2: part again. Shall we? Hi, everyone. I'm Amanda,
1: and I'm Daniel.
2: Welcome back to Scenes from a Marriage, a podcast where we watch movies and talk about them. We sure do. We do. So. Last episode, we talked about the Big Lebowski, and we were planning on doing a follow-up episode with Napoleon Dynamite. However, we're about, we're less than, actually, right now, we're less than a week away to Christmas. Therefore, we interrupt this podcast for a Christmas Christmas episode.
1: episode. (laughs) (laughs) Those Those are the jingle bells.
2: Jingle bell, jingle bell.
1: Hope everyone liked that uh, Jingle Bell remix of the theme song.
2: Oh, could we hear that in there? Nice. I'm
1: going to leave some of those in there. Yeah, some <laughs> Jingle Bells for you all. A, a festive rendition for the holidays.
2: Mm. So thanks to everybody who uh, reached out to us and gave us uh, recommendations for Christmas movies. We will actually... we
1: Do none of them.
2: We'll do none of them. Surprise. We got you guys. (laughs) No, but we might, we're going to use some of those suggestions for next year if you guys still like listening to us. Um,
1: We really wanted to do more than one Christmas episode, but as is often the case, the month just absolutely sped by and we found ourselves with less than a week until Christmas and we only had time to do one episode. Hashtag
2: 2020. Hashtag every Christmas ever.
1: But I again, mean, yeah, we did spend like three combined weeks hold up with COVID, so it kind of put a dent in our schedule.
2: That's true. A COVID Christmas. Just kidding. That will not be this year. Not for us at least.
1: I didn't even look to find out if they've already done that. It just sounds like something that would already be on Netflix or like Hallmark.
2: There's been jokes about it. I'm a COVID sure. Christmas. Yeah. Um, so anyway, actually, but we did watch one of the movies suggested recently. We did, yeah bishop's wife. Thank you, Caroline.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, surprisingly enough. Well, I guess it's not that surprising. It seems a little bit under the radar, but, uh, I'd never seen that Cary Grant movie where he is an angel who comes to earth on Christmas to creep on a dude's wife.
2: (laughs) Is he an angel? Is he a demon? Who knows?
1: It's hard to tell, but, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, I probably wouldn't make that into an every year tradition, but it was, uh, it was a nice change of pace.
2: Yeah, it was good. It was a little different. Um, but anyway, so, uh, for this podcast, we decided to do a movie that maybe not too many people have watched. Um, it's a movie we watched last year for the first time. And that movie is Klaus. I didn't know if you wanted to say it the same time as me. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it I'm in sorry, your eyes. I,
1: I figured I'd let you take it.
2: Okay. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Um, Hello, (laughs) Jesper Johansson, postman.
1: uh, Mr. Klaus, you have a gift. You were meant for making toys. So I figured if you donate your old toys, I'll deliver them for free. Tonight, I go with you. There's no need
0: for you to come with me, really.
2: Tonight, then. we write a letter to Mr. Klaus, he'll make us a toy. (gasps) Dear Mr. Klaus, dear Mr. Klaus. Shall we
0: then? Yep.
2: (gasps) Mr. Klaus is the coolest.
0: Klaus? What about me?
2: (laughs) Ow! What the? Loser! Oh yeah, well if I'm a loser,
1: (laughs) then you're, you're a, you're
0: a, you're a, you're too far, you're gone. Hey, what do you guys think you're doing? This is Smearnsburg, the unhappiest place on Earth. And you two can't change that. Ah! The Postman and the toy maker are brainwashing everyone.
1: We need to show people that a true selfless act always sparks another. Hi, what's happening right now?
0: Oh, no. Holy mother!
1: What happened? Not a word. You just sit there. Be all magical and awesome.
2: Klaus is a 2D animated film that came out last year in November, and uh, it was written and produced by Sergio Pablos, and it is about a postman who is sent off to a village that is it's a remote village in Scandinavia. It's called, what is it, Smearnsburg? Smearnsburg. Smearnsburg. And so um, the main character soon finds out that this is not an easy town to uh, post up in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he has to open a post office, a working post office. Um, yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun. And we thought we would talk about it.
0: Yeah.
1: I think, you know, obviously it being a Netflix movie that... that uh, oh, I'm supposed, I'm supposed I hear this bells. I got to do the... <laughs> we'll talk this is us talking about every it
2: every time christmas <laughs> comes up jingle bells kidding well, yeah. going to get old so
1: i i'm the keeper of the bells now so like i said if things get if things get christmasy then we'll just we'll just jingle them a little bit and you get <laughs> the uh, the idea that snow is falling outside the window
2: <gasps> which could happen on christmas everyone if you believe it will happen
1: so everybody uh <laughs> what it, everybody like What is it? Click your heels together. Oh, no,
2: no. No, you know what you have to do, which is a movie you watched last year. Snow Day. You have to hold your... Surely, has that been
1: just one year? Surely, it's been two.
2: Maybe it's been two years. Daniel had not watched Snow Day. And everyone out there, if you have not either, you need to watch that. Because it's a classic. (laughs) It's a classic. Nickelodeon.
1: use a liberal uh, (laughs) reading of
2: that term. (laughs) No, but you need to go to sleep. Everyone listening to this, go to sleep on Christmas Eve holding a snow globe and then drop it in the middle of the night. That's what she does. She lets it roll down and then there's a snow day.
1: You know, none of us get a snow day because we're all working from home.
2: Okay, the well, the we to to snow day is a snow day. If there's snow on the ground, sounds like it should be like a Dr. Seuss uh, phrase. It,
1: it, <clears throat> It does. Uh, so I, I think a lot of people have probably watched Klaus on Netflix, but just do. do...
2: <clears throat>
1: Sorry, I got a cookie stuck in my throat. We're sitting here eating a uh, drinking eggnog and eating... <gasps> Out of my
2: Lampoon's, cookies. Lampoon's Christmas Vacation moose mug for our Christmas episode. There you go. Good, good, good.
1: I'm catching on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of that. Yeah, that cookie stuck in my throat.
2: Homemade eggnog by Daniel. Sorry, I had to give you a shout out. It's really good.
1: Thanks, babe. Really good. I assume that just due to it being relatively recent that maybe a lot of people haven't gotten around to it yet. And so we wanted to maybe discuss slash recommend something that wouldn't have already been on your holiday watching roster because... We all know the slate of Christmas movies and specials that get played every year. Uh, it's a little stale, uh, <laughs> maybe more than a little stale, mm-hmm. maybe sometimes maddeningly stale.
2: I used to enjoy cheesy Hallmark movies, but these days I'm just not into them. Too well, I'm not even chees- talking
1: about the, you know, I'm not even talking about the 56 oh, those aren't Hallmark movies, movies that get dropped yeah. every mm-hmm. single year. Although certainly with the rise of streaming, that has become something that... You know, we get more and more of them every year. But even just the ones that we all love, Mm. the National Lampo's Christmas Vacations, the Home Alones, you know, all of that stuff. Santa Claus,
2: Jingle All the Way. Okay.
1: But there's a a discreet and kind of, you know, it's kind of like how all the Christmas songs that get played, like all the ones that are popular, they either came about, you know, anywhere from 30 to 70 years ago. Or if not, then they are hearkening back to those times, and they sound like they, you know, are paying homage to. You know, it's all like mid mid twentieth century. is like when all of our Christmas stuff that's how we that's how we think of Christmas mm. in terms just aesthetically. Uh, and so all of our our Christmas movies can start to become a lot like that. So like, okay, you got to watch these five or six movies every year, and then Charlie Brown Christmas, and which I love a Charlie Brown Christmas. Yes, but it might be good to inject some new blood into the Christmas pantheon and maybe our best shot of doing it in the last five years or so is Klaus.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I love this movie and I recommend it to everyone, everyone that I talk to, or at least you're a witness for that. All right. So,
1: well, let's, uh, well, let's just talk about it. So this is, uh, like you say, this is a a 2D animated movie Mm -hmm. that, uh, that dropped on Netflix last year. Do you want to just talk about the setup and go ahead and tell us the plot? Go ahead and take us through the movie.
2: I can do it. I think, I think I can do it.
1: Just kind of give us, you know, give us what it's about, and uh, then we'll uh, we'll talk about it in more detail.
2: I'm I'm really excited about Christmas because I love Christmas. <laughs> I'm just saying it as many times as I can. <laughs> so, oh, this is this
1: is this is our segment. I mean, it explains the plot.
2: Yes. This is, okay. Christmas I, version. I was gonna go in. I was going to go into how I love Christmas and how everybody knows that I love Halloween, but Christmas. You can still
1: go there. I just wanted to, I didn't want you to to take off on the plot and me not have said the name of the segment.
2: Oh, okay. Okay, good. No, I was just saying, um, everyone that, everyone that knows me knows that I love Halloween, but I love Christmas just as much. I just love dressing up. I, I love dressing up on Halloween. If I could, dress up on Christmas as whatever I wanted and get away with it, then that would be wonderful.
1: I mean, we're basically spending Christmas at home. If you, <laughs> if you, if you want to dress up for Christmas, <laughs> no one's stopping you.
2: I am wearing my tiger onesie right now.
1: Which is a Christmas
2: outfit? It is now. Um, no. Amanda explains the plot. Let's, let's, let's try this. All right. This movie is about... (laughs) Are you going to do (laughs) that? You can do it. I can try it. This movie is about a postman. It's a a postman's son. His dad is a postman. This is not. This is starting off a little rocky. Power through. So he gets sent to Smearinsburg by his father, who is not allowing him to live off of his... Money (laughs) and stay at home with his silk sheets. And And he really misses those silk sheets. And something else. I What else? He mentioned it a lot. Maybe it was just the silk sheets.
1: His rug really tied the room together.
2: This (laughs) Good one. The silk sheets and live in the high life wherever he was living before, which I did not take note of in a place. I don't know if it's important. Anyway, across the world. So... He gets sent off to this little town, a little fishing village, and he soon finds out that it is filled with families, specifically two sets of families who are warring with each other because their sole purpose in life is to hate each other from generations and generations back. They don't know why, but they hate each other. Anyway, so he has to... He has to deliver... 3,000. 1,000?
1: 6,000.
2: Shoot. 6,000 letters (laughs) before he uh, proves to his dad that he can come back home. So his main goal is to, I want to say raise, but that's not the word I'm going to use. He mail something. Deliver. Deliver.
1: Which I think is kind of weird, but we'll, we'll, We'll come back to that.
2: Yeah, I don't okay. Anyway, deliver six thousand letters in a town where there is no school, nobody really knows how to write or anything like that, I assume, or the children do not, and no one's interested in it in order for him to go back home. So he goes about his business doing this and he comes up with a plan. And basically this movie is about the beginnings of Santa Claus or Klaus. So, he meets a person that, oh no, spoilers, makes toys. Everyone knows this is what it's about. Toys being delivered to children. Anyway, it's in a really... I think you can
1: take us through this part.
2: I'll do it. Okay. He meets a stranger that makes toys, and the rest of the movie is about them making toys and delivering them, but it's in a really clever way, and I love it, and... (laughs) The main character, oh, Jesper, we'll say his name. He, it's it's really a, a movie about him learning who he really is and what most matters in life, which is what I love the most in movies.
1: Is that what you love the most in movies? Yeah, I love. Because if that's the case, you have a lot to choose from. I feel like this is a, a pretty well-worn character arc where the, you know, arrogant snarky self-absorbed character through hardship comes to be a part of a team and learns to overcome his selfishness and sacrifice for the good of others and in the so doing becomes a better person i do love that
2: i love that and also team movies and movies like pitch perfect and dance movies
1: yeah but you didn't know that we were going to compare klaus to pitch perfect but here we are (laughs) (laughs)
2: how did this happen (laughs) how did we get here well you know what
1: uh if that's uh i I don't want to i want to step on your on your plot summary but uh that's that's a good jumping off point for one of the discussion questions that i i had that's when i asked you is since you you know were there with pitch perfect uh what other movies would you combine to get this movie because i feel like there's i feel like there's a number of references or maybe not references but um stylistic uh, similarities touch points that sort of thing
2: you said what movies would i combine yeah
1: yeah what movie would you what movies would you put in a blender if you had to make klaus you're like i have to make klaus out of other movies and i'm going to combine these movies to make this movie
2: well the most obvious one i i mean i wouldn't combine it it just it is the emperor's new groove yeah that i mean there's so much of that even um Jason Schwartzman's voice, similar to
1: David Spade, David
2: Spade. Yeah, because when we first started watching this movie, I'm sure I said it multiple times. I was like, isn't this the actor who voices Kuzco? And then I soon found that it was not. But just everything about the movie, like Pacha and Kuzco and then Klaus and Jesper, just that little dynamic duo, not knowing each other in the beginning and then forming a bond. That is unbreakable and just like becoming really solid friends. So.
1: Yeah, you've got the you've got the the skinny, arrogant jerk with the kind of nasally whiny voice mm-hmm. that I mean, it's it's a dead on Cusco impression. Yeah, is doing, I feel like so good. And then uh, with and Klaus, maybe not as much like Pacha, but the larger Pacha's mountain dweller more chatty. You know, yeah. uh, and uh, he's got that kind of deep voice voiced by uh, J.K. Simmons
0: here. Mm-hmm.
2: They have Klaus speak not very much, but Pacha he he's a little chatty.
1: Yeah, Klaus has got a handful of lines in the whole script. He's got like <laughs> two pages of dialogue.
0: He does,
2: and of course they start out making it seem like he's a ooh big scary man <laughs> <laughs> um, with an axe, and he's afraid. But then he soon learns that he's got layers like Shrek. You didn't know I was going to bring all these things into this, did you?
1: Well, I was asking you to. Okay.
2: <laughs> oh, Shrek. I'm kidding. Um. Well, I mean, can't judge a book by its cover. You never know. He's like an onion.
1: Right. And like Shrek, they play a random pop song during a montage.
2: They did? What pop song was that?
1: Um, I don't know the name of it. I should have looked it up before we uh, did, before we did started. Did I say but-
2: Christmas. I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I heard jingle bells.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there there may be some rogue bells jingling out there. There's a song called "Invisible," performed by Zara Larson. That
2: oh yeah, she's a Swede. I believe she is.
1: Well, the uh, the Larson's kind of a tip off. Oh
2: yeah, but oh, I think I know that song too, and it's probably like the main one at the end.
1: There's like there's one big like ballad that they do, it's in probably the that one I'm sure it's that one, yeah,
2: but definitely Emperor's new Groove. it's got that written all over it.
1: I'll add a couple of my own.
2: I was gonna say do you do you have any other than that one
1: Yeah, so I mean obviously Emperor's New Groove is the base, but I think if you mashed it up with a Burton inspired like nightmare before Christmas mm. kind of thing mm-hmm. in terms of the gothic looking architecture of the town, like all the backgrounds and stuff and some of the character designs mm-hmm. kind of, you know, are familiar. I mean, again, it's not stop motion. It's it's 2D animation. It's, um you know, it's drawn and then enhanced with 3D. But uh, so you've got a little bit of that in there. You've got, I think most interestingly, Batman Begins.
2: I'm sorry, what? Go Batman on. Begins.
1: Okay. I think this is the Batman Begins take on the Santa Claus origin story. Oh, okay. If you think about Batman Begins, what mm-hmm. they do, they take a, you know, a character well-known in the popular consciousness for a, a number of, you know, signature things, aspects, gadgets, you know, all, the, all this stuff that's uh, that's with Batman. And they try to say, okay, well, what if Batman was in the real world? How would, how would we do these things, you know, oh, and, and make yeah. it grounded? So it, it's kind of like a grounded take on the, the Santa Claus legend, to say, okay, well, here's all these things that might have happened that then would have gotten interpreted or exaggerated or, you know, again, passed into legend as these, you know, and say, okay, this is a credible, not credible, but, you know, just like another take kind of on uh, how that might have happened in this particular storybook world.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. I mean, in thinking of everything they did in the movie, I I found it... I mean, it was really clever with every like hearing the kids talk about, oh, Klaus and all the things that he does and then Jesper being behind the scenes and us knowing that he's doing all of these things that they're talking about. It was hilarious. And then just things that Jesper was doing because maybe he was avoiding, I don't know, what, like the dog or something like that. Or he was sneaking in and then uh, the part where there was the sleigh in the air and the kid said that uh santa or that klaus was flying
1: Oh yeah they went over a big ramp some kids saw the jump and then <laughs> it's thought you so
2: know. cute it's so cute i can't remember some of the other he sees you when you're sleeping well not that. he knows he knows everything
1: mm-hmm. and that's actually pretty similar to you know <laughs> maybe how parents actually use Santa Claus or Elf on a Shelf or whatever it is. Or Randolph
2: the Elf, Denise. To
1: Try to, il- to try to elicit good behavior from the kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think the thing that makes this tick is that Klaus initially performs this act of goodwill and Jesper seizes upon it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. He seeks to, you know, monetize it and basically create an enterprise around it. But you first have to have this guy who, again, kind of seems like this gruff, scary, antisocial woodsman who, when he understands that a child feels imprisoned in his own home, Mm. has to do something to uh, provide some light in that kid's life. And it's that impulse that provides the thrust for everything else that happens and I think that uh, we follow that through, which is why this you know becomes really, I think it's a movie that's got its heart in the right place in terms of the, just the moral undergirding of the story.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's what I appreciate the most about it is at the end, it has a good moral. And especially in this year when things are pretty rough and they came out the kid locked in his house. I think we all know how that kid feels. <laughs> <laughs> and the importance of being able to spread uh, some, some cheer. And what's the, what's the quote that they said a few times?
1: The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all,
0: for all to hear.
2: <laughs> That's what it was. No, a true act of goodwill always sparks another. Mm, mm-hmm. And they saw that a few times in the movie. And, of course, at the end, it was, um, he had to own up to what he was doing. But you know we could we could see the transformation in all those wonderful montages. <laughs> I love a good montage. <laughs> and it wasn't just for him; it was for Alva, which you know, hers, uh, the school teacher who turned into a fishmonger. <laughs> um,
1: Great word, fishmonger.
2: Fishmonger, saving her her monies. To get out of that place. But she quickly wants to stay. So. And just seeing that transformation quickly. And then. uh, Jesper soon after. I mean. I just. But I love that it started with all the children. We see in the opening of the movie. Or when he comes to the town. That all the adults are doing mean things. I mean. The kids are too. But then. When the kids know that Klaus is. Taking note of their good deeds. Then. They're the ones that start to change the town and, you know, they come into to a dark and gray place. And then throughout the movie, seeing all the lighting, which I mean, the animators did a really good job. I mean, everybody, which I didn't realize it was there's so much that went into it, but it's amazing. It's it's really great to look at.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the virtues of this are primarily visual, I think the movie looks great and it's got a it's got kind of a moody look uh it's got like a, a soft uh kind of look and we learned a little bit about how this was done oh, that did. it essentially was hand drawn animation drawn you know now they do it on on like tablets and using software the animators do but that they uh animated these things in the traditional two d way more or less, but added lighting and textures using computer graphics and you know kind of map those onto the you know onto the the frame uh so what we have is you know again this kind of enhanced look um that moves the characters more or less move as though they were hand animated, which gives it a nice kind of or organic feeling a little bit of a throwback kind of a feel. But with uh, a real sheen and a real smoothness, and like I feel like there's a lot of just like smoke and particle effects, and like mm-hmm. you know, light coming through windows and stuff that um, is real, uh, is real kind of dynamic.
2: So I wanted to ask you about the characters. Well, what what movie did we watch recently where you were kind of annoyed with the character? I can't remember which one it was.
1: Hmm, can't remember which one. Uh, certainly, it wasn't the bishop's wife. <laughs>
2: Um, <laughs> no, it was, I can't remember. We've mean, it's done not so uncommon
1: times. for me to be annoyed with certain characters.
2: I was going to ask, how did you feel about Jesper in the beginning and towards the end? Was he a, an annoying character for you? You know,
1: he wasn't too bad. Maybe because, uh, you know, I guess I knew what to expect. I've seen this archetypal character before. Mm hmm. What bothered me wasn't Jesper. Maybe this isn't the right time to go into my complaints with the movie, but. Uh, <laughs> go on. Well, I, I, I didn't I didn't find him particularly annoying, actually. I mean, again, I, I, I prepare myself for what that character is going to be. Immediately mm-hmm. he comes on screen and he's, you know, he's lounging. He's got the cucumbers in his eyes. And okay, we, we know who this character is. I'm like, okay, fine. And we know where his arc is going to go. Fine. I can deal with it. So uh, I'm not too put off, honestly, by
0: uh by him
2: what do you think about the families um being angry at each other and who was the voice of um the
1: crumbs, the crumbs the leader of the, the crumbs and what is the Elling Bones is that what is
2: it? Uh, in the ellen ellen bows ellen bows, ellen bows. I, yeah
1: <laughs> uh well yeah Yeah. You know, joan cusack is the voice of the, right. the matriarch of the mm. the crumb family one of the two warring families mm. uh always good to hear her She's got a great voice.
2: She has a great voice. Man, you can you can call that out anywhere.
1: You can. And she obviously she's done quite a bit of animation as well with, you know, her being Jesse in the Toy Story movies.
2: (gasps) That's right.
1: (sighs) My favorite, most unexpected bit of voice acting in this was the guy who plays the ship's captain that, you know, that ferries him back and forth to the island. Mogens. I don't even know if they ever said his name in the movie. I don't
2: even know. If they I don't did remember either. that.
1: Yeah. Uh that's on some 90s DB what his name is, but that's Norm MacDonald, the comedian playing that. And I don't recall ever hearing his voice in an animated character before. Really does not think do a lot of acting. He's more of a stand-up mm-hmm. uh and like sketch guy, like snell guy. Um but I, I you know, it's one of those. Actually, there's. I think there's a number of voices in this movie where you kind of you're like, oh, I know that voice, but you can't quite place it. Mm-hmm. And so instead of watching the movie, you look the voices up on, <laughs> on the Internet to it's see who's so voicing them. But I did like I did like, uh, I did like uh, hearing Norm. I think I I think I called that one before I before I looked it up.
2: Oh, That's pretty good.
1: Did you have a favorite performance and did you have a, a particular character that uh, you responded to?
2: Which character? Well, my favorite voice performance was probably jesper's just because i kept thinking of Cusco the whole time and since i love the emperor's new groove i just kept thinking how his voice was so similar and i was amazed at the fact that it was not david spade
1: did it bother you at all was it like uncanny like oh it sounds like david spade but it's not quite him
2: yes but I was okay with it because I just felt like I was watching a Christmas version of The Emperor's New <laughs> <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> so I was like, "Wow, he." I feel like this is exactly what Kuzco would say in this situation. But the character that I really admired, or I mean, what was your second part?
1: Uh, character that I you, responded to, yeah, or that you maybe just that you found interesting, or you enjoyed their presence in the film
2: I enjoyed Alva's because I liked that she was a bright young school teacher and then she became a fish a fishmonger which was just so interesting to me that she just turned into somebody like that and she was kind of mean and just rough around the edges and I loved seeing the trans survival, right? I mean, yeah, it is. On that little island town, I loved seeing her schoolroom transform to having fish hanging everywhere. I thought that was cool, and how she kept her money in a fish. I just really, I really liked all those little details. And
1: it was packed to the gills with details.
2: Ah! <laughs> that was a good one
1: <laughs> from the start to the fin ish. <laughs> <laughs> go on <laughs> we all know fish are inherently funny right i mean at very least you watching I, the boys
2: i couldn't tell if you were throwing in a pun right there i was trying to catch the boys oh yes oh so like good all, like all We've the fish humor is up. the best part of that that's literally the best the deep man good times no but she are you eating an eggnog cookie okay that's not <laughs> I liked how the kids really wanted to learn how to spell their names and they were excited. And I liked that she wasn't initially excited about it, but then once it showed a few scenes with her teaching them that she realized that's what she came there to do. And then the kids were really learning and that's what helped them with all the letters because of her.
1: That's that's touching, right? That the kids they decide they want to learn.
2: Mm-hmm. That was that was really that was really cute. And the
1: idea being that ultimately the kids would rather play together than yeah. fight each other. Mm-hmm. That was being foisted upon them by the adults. Mm-hmm. And you know,
0: because
1: sure, kids fight, but usually they make up because it's more fun to go and build a snow fort together or whatever mm-hmm. you know than to than to stay. Uh, you know, to harbor that kind of resentment.
2: Harbor in an island town? Okay, sorry. I had to... I wanted to... Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, I know the thing I was going <clears> to... <throat> excuse me. Sorry, I, I can't... I could on top eating these cookies, but yeah, who can I, do that? I can hear you. Remind me to put in the Schwarzenegger quote from Jingle All the Way. What? Put the cookie down.
2: <laughs> put the cookie down.
1: Put that cookie down! Now! I was going to say, I thought it was kind of weird how he starts basically creating letters out of thin air. Like, explain, and maybe I'm just bad at this, but mm-hmm. explain the scene where he gets the kid to mail back his own picture. Does that does that really work? Is that one letter that counts towards his 6000
2: I mean, if he gives him a penny for postage, that counts, right? So
1: the mailman's standing there at the mailbox. Mm-hmm. He's holding a a letter, let's say, even it's a drawing right. from the person in the house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He puts it into an envelope, mm-hmm. he stamps the envelope, mm-hmm. he places it into
2: his the mailbox. mailbox right
1: So the kid essentially mails the letter to himself, but he just skips the mailing part.
2: Yes, because the postman is already there, but what is mailing? Does that? Is that the definition? Is is traveling the definition of mail? what it what is mailing something?
1: And does anything really need to be mailed in what is apparently a very small town? Couldn't everyone just like go out and talk to each
0: other?
2: I was wondering why Mogan's, the guy that we didn't know his name the whole movie, was taking all the letters from him to ship out. Maybe they have friends outside of you know that little town. But so
1: you're saying maybe they sent letters to someone other than Klaus?
2: Oh, I don't know. Well, why was he picking up the letters? Where was he taking them? On his little ship. Right? You got me. I didn't think I about it. I watch it again. What? Well, third time's a charm.
1: Because it seemed to me that Jesper was delivering all of Klaus's mail personally yeah. over land. Yeah. Right, he, he was, and that that mail was basically the sum total of the demand for letters in the town.
2: That's what I got. So, but then why the ship? Why? Why did they? Maybe in if it, you
1: watched it and paid more attention than we did, let us know. Let us know why they were taking the mail away on the on the boat. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> other more important stuff I want to talk about. This movie is a reimagining of the myth of Santa Claus, mm-hmm. if you want to call it a myth. Obviously, there are historical antecedents for mm-hmm. Santa Claus. But do uh, what do you think of this film's portrayal of Santa Claus? Is he due for a reimagining?
2: I liked it because it wasn't based on magic. It was Klaus genuinely loved children because there's the backstory about his wife and him who were waiting on a child <laughs> just waiting around till the child would come. That's right. You. That was <laughs> was very peachy. Um and he made lots of choice toys for those children that they hoped to have and it was just pure goodness and him wanting to see the children happy. And I really liked that instead of having him do magic things. And I liked that Jesper was the one that was delivering it, which is funny because he is a postman. So he's doing exactly his job, but he was the one going down the chimney because he's a skinny thing. And <laughs> and also Klaus got the reindeer together and they were just, you know, deer pulling a sleigh. Right. And I like that it wasn't a magical place with elves, but it was the Sam, my, Sam, people. Ugh, I can't remember what you, it's Sami. Me. Sami. Me. S- you saw me. So, Sami. Saw.
1: On the pronunciation guide in Wikipedia, it said that the A in Sami was pronounced like the A in bra. So, there you go. <laughs>
2: Thank thank you for that. That tidbit.
1: Yeah, that little uh PG t- tidbit.
2: But he had help from the Sami people. So they were basically like his little elves, but they weren't little. And I I liked that it was so realistic.
1: So this is a bit of a mysterious thing, mm-hmm. right? That the average audience member probably is unfamiliar with the Sami people I was mm-hmm. and am same. I read up a little bit on them
0: oh, do before share. this podcast,
1: but well, but I I wouldn't say I learned a whole lot partially because it's just a little bit difficult if you are not, if you don't already don't have some kind of base uh, to work from, mm-hmm. especially in terms of understanding the political and geographical and historical goings on in you know, the upper parts of Sweden and Norway and Finland and Russia, which is mm-hmm. kind of where all this would have, would take place. And where the, I mean, that's the like where these people are called their home. But, uh, di- <laughs> and I guess you can kind of take this one of of two ways. Is it weird that this is kind of like an indigenous population, you mm-hmm. know, I, and uh, on the one hand, they're bringing awareness of this people Mm -hmm. to a mass audience that might not have been aware of them before. Mm. On the other hand, it seems kind of weird that they're like the elves. I don't know. (laughs) Does that seem strange? I mean, I know. So I know that everything is like, okay, Santa doesn't actually fly, right? He was just, they just saw him jumping. So um, they're not actually elves that work in a toy shop. They're just people that volunteered their time to do a good thing. Right. So within the, the context of the movie, Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was kind of weird because, you, again, you're, you're reverse engineering all of these Santa things. So I was like thinking about, like, are, are we calling them elves? And is that strange? Is that a weird thing? I don't have the cultural knowledge to know what I, how I should think about that. Or did they,
2: did they do some research and find that these people like to do woodworking or things like that? And then they, it just made sense for them to be the elves.
1: My understanding is that reindeer are important to them. Like hurting and oh doing really? Year. Well, so that might be some a relevant piece of information.
2: I thought that you were saying, is it weird that they brought light to these people and they like did not want to be known about? They wanted to be their own little people.
1: Oh no, I don't think that's I don't think that's really an issue. I mean, oh, okay. I was, from what I was reading, there's you know ongoing uh, you know issues and compromises and things with the. Um, national governments of like Sweden, Norway, Russia, mm-hmm. um, so that, that there's all a bunch of history there, but uh, that's not really necessary to go into.
2: I like that they didn't translate what the little girl was saying, and
0: mm-hmm.
2: that we just had to infer from body language, and it was just kind of a mystery. But we knew what she was trying to communicate that she wanted a toy. We didn't know exactly what it was until they built it. But
1: (laughs) well, and that Alva, the school teacher, Mm -hmm. is able to help bridge that gap in communication. Mm -hmm. And that shows another way that you know, education Mm -hmm. is important and that can be used to bring people together and to create understanding.
2: So, question Did you cry at all during the movie? Because I did. (laughs) Did I did
1: not. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't last year, I don't know, I might have had an emotional moment or two. I didn't this this time. And I think that's that I lay the blame for that solely on the fact that Klaus's nose looks weird as hell.
2: It it does.
1: It's real flat, guys.
2: It, it really does. I didn't think about that. Is it like a Phillips head? Wait, is that? No, <laughs> Wait, that's wrong. That's flat the one. The, it's a flat head. Why did I say Phillips? That's the one with the four things.
1: Yeah, that would be even stranger if it looked like a Phillips head.
2: <laughs> that would be great.
1: We'll do an you should, you should do a version of this where everyone's nose looks like a different tool. And one of the characters can be voiced by Tim Allen.
2: Uh, what, tool time. Ready? Okay.
1: Um no, I I didn't cry, but I I do think it's touching in places. I, I and uh I I think it's certainly a lot more touching than it is funny.
2: Yeah, I think it's I definitely feel the emotional side more than the laughs. I mean, there are a few, you know, eh, laughs every now and then. Mm-hmm. Some some decent humor. Probably more so when Jesper was urged to go in the houses when he didn't want to. That was a fun little bit.
1: Oh, yeah. A little bit of a kind of creative slapstick there.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also when he was like a drug dealer to the kids saying... Hey, you want a toy? <laughs> Just send a letter. That was that was pretty cute.
1: Um that gets to my my major gripe with the film. Okay. Which is that it's uh the script. Mm-hmm. And so this was based on a story by the director Sergio Pablos. Mm-hmm. And it was written by him as well as two other guys who have no real writing credits to speak of. And I don't know if it's simply because they were focused on other things or if they want, if it's because they, you know, are, they're a Spanish team. They wanted to make something that was, you know, that was uh, digestible by an international audience. So they didn't mm-hmm. want to do anything that was too specific to an English speaking uh, world or whatever, but mm-hmm. the, the script is not clever. The idea is clever. Mm-hmm. I think the like I said, the origin of Santa, the Batman Begins version of Santa. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a pretty neat take on a pretty neat twist on the formula. Yeah. the The script itself is bland, mm-hmm. unimaginative, almost to the point of having no style at all. I think. Yeah, and
2: nothing stands out.
1: There's a that that's a problem, mm-hmm. and I and it's a problem not just because, you know. Uh, of individual scenes that should be sharper and funnier than they are, mm-hmm. but also because I think the characters don't really get as much uh as much development and as much depth as they might uh, and like maybe i maybe we've been spoiled by mm. better animation like this this is a guy, Pablo's, who comes mm-hmm. from the Disney tradition. He used to be an animator on things like Hunchback of Notre Dame Mm. and Tarzan and stuff. He's he's been around all this stuff, right? Tarzan. Or maybe we've been spoiled by, you know, people like Pixar who are so meticulous with their story Mm -hmm. and really, really just work the story and have this pitch-perfect timing, you know, of all their gags and everything. But when you take something like this that looks and sounds this much like The Emperor's New Groove, Mm -hmm. but it's not one-tenth as sharp, or as clever or as funny uh as that movie is yeah. or you know it's just on on a on a scene by scene level it's it's not inventive and it's not uh it's just not up to snuff i think they needed they needed a better writer mm-hmm. to come through and do a pass on this script and punch it up and say okay maybe he doesn't say the most obvious thing here maybe we can write something for him to say mm-hmm. you know so that to me is a big issue um, because I think the thing works on a macro level. Uh, I I don't know that it necessarily works scene to scene, or if it does, it does so in a pretty perfunctory way, and that's a shame mm-hmm. because the animation is so appealing. It is, and I don't want to under I don't want to undersell it on the basis of that either.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean it's probably the it's probably the most interesting animated film at least since. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. It's not as good as that film. I but was going to say, well, yeah. But it is, I mean, that's pretty good Christmas next.
2: For a Christmas movie, I think, I mean, it's pretty good for an animated one. Because I, I, what, what Christmas movie, what other animated Christmas movie would you, not compare it to, but would you say that you like better than this one? Not for the writing, but just the animation. If you can think of any.
1: Oh, uh, you know I the can't year without offhand. a Santa Claus, just kidding <laughs> I can't offhand in terms of again again, based on what I'm complaining about, and maybe this is maybe this is telling that I'm comparing it to major Disney classics, mm-hmm. not to the year in and year out Christmas specials that we watch, because yes, like a lot of other people, I have nostalgia for the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer Claymation. Mm-hmm. Uh but I probably I probably wouldn't tell you it's a brilliant script.
2: Yeah, and I I mean I, I can't think of any Christmas movies that are, I mean, except for Christmas vacation. hmm <laughs> So
1: I mean, maybe in that case, I'm asking it to be something that it just can't be. Yeah. Uh or maybe it wasn't intended to be. I just think it's interesting that they took those kind of recognizable things from that people are going to look to, like Disney movies, and they're going to say, "Oh, this is like that," and it's not quite like that. Uh, But, uh, but again, I don't think it's because I want it to be like a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. But I think it needs to have some kind of. It's not going to do that. I think it needs to have some kind of personality of its own. Uh, And I think there's a there's kind of a there's a little bit of a hollowness in in that way to it. It still manages to pull off. Some emotional beats. Mm -hmm. I think those beats would have been deeper if we had more developed characters.
2: Yeah. I mean, but the thing that stands out to me with it being a Christmas movie is the reasons behind why we believe all the things about Santa, about him flying or going down the chimney or getting coal in the stocking or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't really need words to say those things they showed Jesper doing those things and Mm -hmm. it was it was funny because they expected everybody that was watching it to know those are normal things and then it was funny like it was funny to me to see that and it's like oh wow that's that's great and so if you didn't know that backstory then that wouldn't have been very entertaining to you just be like oh okay
1: Right. It plays on your understanding, the assumed cultural understanding that you know all these things about Santa Claus.
2: Yeah. So after all these years, all the different movies. Yep. Well, that's,
1: that's, see, that that comes back to one of my questions. Uh, not just what movies would you combine to get this movie, but also does Santa need to be reimagined? How do other movies treat Santa Claus? It's worth thinking about, right? Yeah. Because you're like, oh, we believe all these things about Santa Claus, but we don't. Right. Nobody except for young children. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, oh. parents, if you're a, a kid, <gasps> listener, you're a kid listening to this. Um, go, go play Billy. Santa will bring you something nice for Christmas. <laughs> um, but, I mean, no, nobody really believes Santa.
2: I, I believed in Santa. How old were you when you stopped believing?
1: I never believed in Santa Claus.
2: Oh, that's right. You never did.
1: My parents never taught me that he was a real thing. They taught me the story and that this is what people say. And, the, you know, we, we had fun with it, but like yeah. it was never, oh, this is actually a real, you know, uh, he's a magical guy that comes in our, in our front door. I don't, I, we, believed, I don't think we had a fireplace. But.
2: I believed no, until fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing.
1: But, but I was thinking about this and I was thinking, oh, you know what? So many of the Christmas movies that like the big Christmas movies mm-hmm. either don't address Santa Claus at all. Mm-hmm. If you think about It's a Wonderful Life. Or, you know, the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. No, Home, they, they do. Home Alone. Uh, they mentioned Santa. Well, they, they mentioned it, but they don't address him. He's not a character. They're not pretending that there's a real Santa Claus who...
2: No, they were because at the end it shows uh, the sewer blowing up and then Santa Claus goes flying in the air. Because it's all about the kids getting stuff for Christmas. Not all about, but towards the end. Anyway,
1: okay, but that's that's like a, that's a, a like a gag they threw in at the end. Like the movie's not really invested in the character of Santa Claus. Okay, right. The only ones I could think of off the top of my head, and maybe you can help, were the Santa Claus, the Santa Claus, and the, and its sequels. The Year with Without
2: t- a Santa Claus.
1: Let's uh, let's confine ourselves for the moment to live action.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Wow. Beca- well, just to think because. Okay, you know what? Never mind. Let's let's do this. Do the whole no, thing. Let's we do a, we're back. talking about an animated movie. Let's go through. All right. But let's uh, go. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Okay. we 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 say there's an actual guy named Santa Claus, and they try to prove it in a court of law that he's real.
2: Christmas Chronicles.
1: Okay, I didn't watch that, but I was wondering about that. That's I mean Kurt Russell of Santa Claus in that, yeah, right? He's, okay. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. yeah. right, the Santa Claus in its sequels, You're Without a Santa Claus, Rudolph mm-hmm. off the Red Nosed Reindeer. Mm-hmm. Elf.
2: Elf, yes. Um I'm blanking on Christmas movies. Oh, the Grinch. Oh, no. Well, hmm. the Grinch. Does he? They don't even really. Do they mention Santa in the Grinch? I honestly don't remember. I mean, it's all about the who's and it's all about Christmas, but they don't really. Because,
1: I mean, the Grinch.
2: He dresses up. He dresses up
1: as Santa, but. Where did the where did the presents come from? Did did we assume that the that, you know the parents just put them mm-hmm. out for the kids, or did was there a Santa Claus
2: nightmare before Christmas?
1: Okay, I guess what I was trying to ask is is based on the c- collected works that we consume around this time of year, is there you know a uh, kind of a singular uh, ideal of Santa Claus that needs to be either reimagined or subverted? Uh, and, you know, which which brings us uh, a movie like this and says, oh, let's get back to the basics or let's, you know, I don't know. Or is it just a, a different cultural take, uh, a, a storybook idea?
2: Maybe Maybe it's just a different take. I mean, honestly, I can't really think of too many movies that focus on letters being sent to Santa. This is all about... No, the letters thing, that's new. The letters and... I like that it was about a postman sending it instead of, I mean, I can't think of another movie where there's actually a postman where they're like focusing on that character. I mean, I'm sure there is one out there, but that they would just send him pictures and then he would send a present. I liked that idea. It, it felt, it felt new to me and maybe that's why I liked it more. So instead of saving Christmas
1: yeah oh gosh that's that's the: Vomit. That might be the single worst cliche in all of holiday movies.: I
2: don't like its Is't
1: we've got to save Christmas.
2: Save Christmas.:
1: Second only to finding the meaning of Christmas.:
2: Oh, the me Abed
1: Right. I mean in Abed obviously being the the meta character that he is is actively playing on all of those <laughs> tropes.:
2: Thank you lost. <laughs>
1: Let's let's go to spoilers because I want to talk about the ending of the film. Mm -hmm. So this is now this is now spoiler version of the spoiler time in the podcast. If you haven't seen Klaus and you think, you know, you might like to see a new animated Christmas movie, um, we would probably say check it out.
2: Honestly, you probably should have stopped listening to us when we said what movie it was and then you should have gone and watched it and then come right back and listen to us.
1: That's what we recommend generally.
2: So, oh, oops. Then you had to get to the end here to know. Okay. Sorry.
1: Well, do that now and come back. <laughs> At the end of the movie, I want to, because we, we were talking about how there's no magic in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. But there is something akin to magic. Or, right? And, it, and it, it comes in the form of...
2: Oh, yes. Yes. Uh-huh.
1: Klaus in this is a widower.
2: hmm mm mm-hmm. Has a dead wife. That is the wind now.
1: That comes...
2: Communicates through Through wind.
1: the wind, I guess. Uh-huh.
2: Yep. In the birdhouses.
1: And really begins this story by making sure that he finds that letter.
2: Mm, that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. She and it.
1: then she pops up again at the end.
2: Mm-hmm. Not literally, her body. Her wind body. Okay.
1: So, yeah. Okay. So I do want to talk about the end of this because ultimately... They do this thing. They expand their Christmas operation to other territories. They get more people in the workshop, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And then one day, Klaus is just like, I'm coming home. And yeah, then what in the- goes in the wind. And they, just like the the sex thing, they PG over <laughs> the idea of his death. But yes. it's still clear that he you know, is gone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, wrapping it all up, mm-hmm. Jesper's like, Every year on um, Christmas Eve. I get to see my old friend. Right, I get to see my friend. So what this tells us is that Santa Claus is a ghost.
2: The mm-hmm. ghost
1: of a dead woodworker that visits you every year on Christmas Eve. How do you know he's you a, a ghost?
2: He might. he, But it didn't actually say that he died. I mean. It
1: didn't say it, but it implied it.
2: It did. But that is creepy that he would see. I mean, maybe they just like arranged to hang out with each other. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the bells are the spirit. The bells are the wind. Uh, of just, Christmas past. Uh, the wind uh, being moved by the spirits of dead people. Uh, that's what jingle bells are. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs>
2: oh, that's really creepy. I mean, he... I don't know that I don't know why he said he sees him every Christmas. That was maybe he what if you don't him? know
1: why he's Santa Claus. He comes once a year on Christmas.
2: I know, but I'm just saying why would he end by saying he sees his friend every year? He probably does not see a ghost every year. Maybe he just reminisces on. I mean, he looked like he was sitting up for him though, but we didn't see him come to the window or down the chimney or anything. No, but
1: we don't have to because, like you said, everybody already knows the Santa Claus situation well enough. They don't have to see it, they don't have to be reminded. Of we
2: it. didn't know Santa was a ghost. No,
1: you know that there is an idea that there is a person <laughs> called Santa Claus who flies around the world on Christmas Eve, magically hits every house. In one Magic. night and comes down the chimney, eats milk and cookies, leaves toys for good little children, leaves coal for bad little children. It's Santa Claus. That's what it is, right? Okay.
2: Yes. All right. Okay.
1: And so the implication is that Jesper now having helped create what is Santa Claus by em- embarking on this whole enterprise, uh, His and then the friend that he started it with is dead Mm -hmm. because he went to join his wife in the after wind life. Yes. Has now in death the power like Obi-Wan Kenobi Mm. to become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. He now is Santa Claus and now the Santa Claus that we know as an audience members exists, but it is this dead. Viking.
2: I think that they. I think that they passed it off to the parents, and they <laughs> <Holy laughs> I, th- I think they passed
1: it off to the pa- Okay, go ahead. I think. <laughs> tell me. Tell me your theory.
2: I think that it spread throughout the villages, and then the parents caught on, and then Santa. I mean, Klaus was just something that kids would pass down to each other. Once they're old, <laughs> once they're adults, and they will tell their kids, and they'll then, tell their
1: kids about the story.
2: They'll tell, yeah, about Klaus, and then they'll want to keep it going, and so they'll they'll give presents. So Klaus so started that. So, so you're that.
1: saying that the 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 tradition now of giving presents to people on Christmas is a like um like like paying a tribute to. The the spirit, not literal spirit, but you know what I mean, like the concept yes, the spirit of, of the Christmas. spirit of, of giving or whatever, yeah. uh, embodied by Klaus. And yes. in his memory, we now do these things, and there's no ghosts involved.
2: Yeah, in their yeah. memory, not in our memory, because we don't have ghosts. Because obviously, it's about Jesus, but whatever.
1: Right. So we're working on a couple of different realities here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but I think. That is the parents. I mean, they are like, wow, they're so happy. I'm just saying these things. Whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Does the movie Klaus culminate in a spectral ghost Santa Claus who shows up every December 24th with presents? Email us podcast at com. (laughs) Tell us your theories. We'd like to hear them.
2: After you watch the movie.
1: Obviously, because you wouldn't have listened to this part if you hadn't watched the movie yet. That's so. true. Yep. Um, all right. So here's what I want to ask. You. I know we're getting kind of long in the tooth here, but mm-hmm. because we have now watched this two Christmases in a row, mm-hmm. uh, how do you think this stacks up to other perennial holiday classics? Would you watch it every year or every few years?
2: I think I would I think I would put it in our I think I would add this to our Rotation of Christmas movies. I would. I'd probably watch it. I'd probably want to watch it every year. I mean, or every other year. Okay. That Christmas Vacation. Home. We should watch Home Alone. We need to watch that one. uh The Bishop's Wife. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: kidding. Maybe not.
2: No, I I, I. I. It's. It's. Does, a, does, it,
1: does it slot in comfortably among those luminaries?
2: I think it does. And I think it's because the story isn't overplayed. It, it still, it feels kind of fresh and I enjoy the look of it. So maybe watching it each year, I won't get tired and maybe there'll be new things that I'll notice. Mm-hmm. Like, is there a ghost at the end? Right.
1: <laughs> and we can, we can puzzle over this time would, and time again.
2: Would you agree to watch it every year?
1: That's a different question than the one I asked you, but uh, (laughs) would I agree to watch it? Yeah, probably. I mean, like I said, it's certainly, uh, I think it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely uh, artistically made. Uh, I like the unusual look of it. It's unique at this point. Nothing else really looks like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, like I said, I think it's got uh, a good cart and a clever concept. I wish that it were more engaging and entertaining on a scene-to-scene basis. And so uh, like something like, like a Christmas vacation mm-hmm. that has regular jokes, you know. Yeah, I was
2: going to say maybe if I had more catchphrases or like one liners, because maybe this wouldn't maybe it just still feels new to us. And once it's been watched a lot, it won't be as watchable. I mean, stuff, you know, stuff
1: that you can, or even, even if you go off the, the traditional Christmas movies and everybody you know wants to talk about Die Hard or mm-hmm. Gremlins or those kind of movies would, but I mean, those things have maybe a higher like entertainment quotient mm-hmm. uh, again, just like scene to scene, they're doing more. Uh, and I think this one is, is sweet enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm glad that it's not like, and this, this is, this, this is the um, story creator behind Despicable Me. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's not that kind of a movie. Yeah. Right? I definitely don't want a, like, super modern feeling, like, just, like, jokey, yeah. you know, tongue-in-cheek type of... So I I know I said the thing about Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove is more like a Tex Avery cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's doing that thing, which is great. Um, so I'm glad it doesn't overplay its hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't... I think just in terms of my personal wheelhouse, this is maybe not a Dan movie, like I wouldn't yeah. probably return to it every year, but uh it's certainly at least as good of a Christmas movie as like Elf, for example. Yeah. I think I would rather watch this every year than Elf. Bah. Or at least alternate between them.
2: I mean, I, I would like to alternate, but it, it just feels it feels cozy watching it. Um, like I think we yeah. had our fireplace on and having the Christmas tree there. And I think I just enjoy having a, a good Cozy movie to watch during Christmas that makes me feel things.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You gotta so, have one in there every now and then.
1: What would you give it out of?
2: Speculoos cookies. Alright, oh, ha- Sure. No. Did you? Did you have one? I didn't sorry? have one. I wow. didn't write it down. Okay, we've got the speculoos. All right, five out of.
1: Or excuse me, out of out of five speculoos cookies, what would you give Klaus?
0: I
2: would give it. For a Christmas movie, let's be let's be clear. For a Christmas movie, I would give it 5 cookies. 5 speculous cookies.
1: Oh, straight up 5 cookies across the board. I loved it. 5 I, cookies dump them in eggnog down yeah, the hatch.
2: Down the hatch. Yep.
1: Well, I think that deserves a
2: Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Everyone watch it. I mean, like you said, I wouldn't compare it to movies year round like I wouldn't just watch this whenever but only at Christmas but it's a good one to put in your pantheon what do you say pantheon
1: I stole that from film spotting we're not gonna we're not gonna have an official pantheon on the show guys don't worry about it
2: oh. <laughs> okay how many cookies would you give it
1: so I'm not grading it on a curve I'm not grading it just among Christmas movies right I'm grading it as a as a film.
2: Oh you are okay fine
1: and going to be a 3. 3 out of cook- 3 out of 5 cookies. That's
2: pretty good for you to give it. Well, because that,
1: that's that's positive, right? It's mm-hmm. it's more than half. It's mm-hmm. marginally positive. Uh so I think that like I said, I think it's um artistry is enough to recommend it and I do think if our among Christmas movies mm-hmm. and especially among modern Christmas movies it ranks much higher than that.
0: Yay! Yay! I and mean, that's why I
1: wanted to cuz that's why I kind of wanted to do this podcast again because if you're if you're drowning in a sea of red and green covers with <laughs> blandly attractive white people <laughs> on them, yes. and you need something better than that to fill your holiday screen time, then uh, this would this will do pretty well. Yeah, more than pretty well.
2: Don't waste your time on um, on those cheesy movies like the ones that I started trying to watch and couldn't. Amanda,
1: what have you been watching over the holidays? Well. While you were sick on the couch.
2: Since I was sick on the Well, we watched The Holiday and I did not really like that Ooh, one.
1: No, that was a stinker.
2: Oh, it was really rough. Don't don't even try it. Um I watched Angels in the Snow because my friend Catherine suggested it years ago. She loves it. And that was it was a little cheesy, but it it was good. It was it was sweet. The acting was horrible. Um <laughs> Dash and Lily, I would recommend that. It's a little Christmas mini series on Netflix. I liked that it was good, it was fresh um a California Christmas I tried watching that, and I had to stop it. i just I couldn't handle it. Did I see
1: any
0: part of that no,
2: and you're glad that you didn't it was it was the typical like and I think I sent you a meme about the typical Christmas girls um and it was like the last one where she owns the farm or her family owns the farm and then a business owner is trying to buy it. And then of course they fall in love. All
1: right. That's my third least favorite cliche.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And so I couldn't, I was like acting so bad. It's just horrible. So I I couldn't watch it. And then the movie called a Christmas movie where Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. two sisters, um, wake up and they're in their very own Christmas movie that one was really lame, but I finished. It's a
1: shame it. it wasn't better. It had potential. The idea had potential. It did.
2: It was a really good idea. But then, yeah, I finished watching it, but I, I regretted it. Oh, well, anyway. So Shame. Dash and Lily was a good one and definitely Klaus.
1: All right. Well, that's our Christmas episode, I guess, unless you have anything you want to say about Klaus that we didn't cover. Did you you? something that uh, you really wanted to say that we didn't hit?
2: No, I think we covered it all. Go watch it right now if you still have not. What are you doing listening to us still? Go watch it. In a rather
1: surprising coincidental bit of timing, we we literally started getting messages in the group me right before we started this podcast about Klaus.
2: Wait, are you serious?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. You didn't see it? No. Yeah. So we have, you have um, fellow Klaus evangelists.
2: Yay. Perfect. This is this is gold. It's golden.
1: We were glad to be a part of your uh, holiday listening. So thanks for tuning in. As always, you can email us any kind of feedback at podcast at scenes from marriage dot com.
2: Christmas time is here. My jingle bell's not working as well. <laughs> this is not very good. There we go. Also, we'll- listen to Ben Rector's new Christmas album if you haven't already. Love him. Okay, shout out. We. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to put it out there.
1: We'd like to. Wish you all a very merry quarantined Christmas.
2: We wish you a quarantined Christmas. We wish... Okay, I'll stop.
1: That's a a sad jingle bell.
2: Everyone stay safe out there. Love on your families from afar. And eat lots of cookies and gain some pounds. We know you will. Because we have been.
1: And you'll end up looking like Klaus. (laughs) With a, the nose. with a
2: Phillips the nose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All Merry right. Christmas to all Merry and to all Christmas a good night. and happy New Year. Soon we'll talk about Napoleon. All right, right. and we out.